Welcome to the Faith Heights Church audio podcast. We pray that this message will bless you and feed your faith as you listen in today. We're talking about faith changes everything. When, when everything else fails, the medicine doesn't work, the surgery didn't work, the counseling didn't work, the effort and the strength and energy didn't work, faith can fix it. So do you have that JPEG back there? Faith changes everything. Go ahead and put that up there on the screen and they can get a visual of what we're talking about here. Mark chapter 9. Are you there, church? Mark chapter 9. Let's look here. I'm going to back up a few verses and we're going to read the context of a scripture we brought out last week. And let's look here at Mark chapter 9. And we went to verse 23 last week, but let's back up now. Let's look at, let's see, where are we here? Hmm. Can we go ahead and do Mark 9? Where does this story, story, story start? Let's go to verse 14. Mark 9, 14. I guess we don't have that JPEG back there. All right, here we go. So read with me if you've got a King James. I'm reading out of the King James. It says that when Jesus came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them and the scribes questioning with them. He was just up on a mountain praying with Peter, James, and John. Powerful manifestation of the Father appeared. Go ahead and go to the next verse. And immediately, as they came down from the mountain, all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed and running to him, saluted him. How many think we ought to have times of prayer when when we're done with prayer, people can see something on us and they're amazed? I mean, it didn't say that Jesus did a handstand or twirled or anything. It just said they were amazed when he came down out of a mountain of prayer. And so keep going to the next verse. And he asked them, Jesus asked the scribes, what question you with them? Because he could see the scribes were questioning his disciples. Next verse. And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto you my son, which has a dumb spirit. How many of all, all evil spirits are just dumb? You can laugh. It's, it's okay. Remember, it hasn't been that long. We're a joyful church. Um, actually, he's talking about a, a, a spirit that actually kept hindered somebody from being able to speak. So, jokingly, I'm just saying, I'll, I mean, you have to be pretty dumb to rebel against God, right? So go ahead, put that scripture back up. Let's just keep going. Previous verse, please. It said, um, my son, which has a dumb spirit. Okay, next verse. And whithersoever this spirit takes my son, the spirit tears him. He foams, he gnashes with his teeth, he pineth away, and I spoke to your disciples that they should cast him out, and they could not. Now stop right here. They had the ability to cast the devil out of this boy because Jesus had previous, if you read the previous chapters, had already give them, given them power over all demons and all sickness and to cure all disease. He had already done it in the previous verse. For some reason, they weren't able to operate in the power at this time, but it wasn't because Jesus didn't delegate it to them. Are you following me? See, a, a lot of believers have a lot of things they're not using. And it, them not using it equals no results. 
not God didn't want them to have results. Them not using equaled no results, not God saying no. God doesn't say no to something he's already said yes to. So he's basically saying, the man's saying, Jesus, I brought my son to your disciples. And they couldn't cure him. Now, think about this. You bring your son to the apostles of the Lamb of God. You know, the right-hand men of Jesus. And they ministered to him. They did whatever they did. Prayed, tried this, that, or whatever. And the boy didn't get free. Do you know what a lot of people would do right there? Well, I, I brought my child to the most anointed preacher in the world, and they prayed, and, and they did all whatever they did, and my child's still sick, so I guess it's God's will that my child stays sick, or the preacher who's anointed would have got him set free. Do you realize that's the way a lot of people think today? And they stop right there thinking, well, I guess it's not God's will that my child be free. And they go on their way and their child never gets free because they don't go to Jesus directly. Now, we should be walking in a level of anointing where people come to us, they get what Jesus would give them if he was here physically because we're the body of Christ. For some reason, something was messing with these guys' faith. I think they got into a little strife, if you read some scriptures before, about who's going to be the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. They're kind of like getting this weird, funky vibe about each other, and that'll hurt your faith. And you'll have a hard time releasing what God's given you if you're in strife and violating love. So let's go to the next verse now. Jesus answered and said, Oh, you know, uh, golly, guys, um, I'm sorry. Um, you know, uh, gee, you know, only I can do this. Um, you should have just waited for me to come down off the mountain. That's not what he said. He said, faithless generation. What's he saying? He's saying something a lot of people don't want to hear today. But I don't know about you, but I am super happy that if there's a problem going on, I am super happy if I'm the problem because I can fix me. I can't fix you. I can fix me. I can't stomp out all disease, but I can fix me from letting it get on me. One of the greatest days of my life is when I realized I was the problem. Because I can fix me. I can't fix you if you're the problem. I can't override your will. I can't make you do anything. I can't fix sickness. It's there. I can't stomp it all out. It's there. But I can fix me and get to a place where it can't get a hold of me. Oh, aren't you glad we found the enemy and they is us? That's an easy fix. You, you know, I, I just see the devil whispering in people's ears when somebody says, you know, you might want to check up on your faith for healing. Maybe you need to develop in faith for healing. And the devil's right there saying, they're saying you don't have any faith. They're saying you don't have, trying to get you all offended at what will set you free. Jesus said, oh, faithless generation, pointing out clearly, without fear of offending anybody, that their faith, faithlessness had everything in the world to do with why this boy didn't get healed under their ministry and the man himself. Think about this, because he talks and later goes, why couldn't we cast him out? He said, because your unbelief. Here's a newsflash. Tell me if anybody likes this besides me. Unbelief is not an incurable problem. <laughs> so why don't we just receive the correction of the Lord, adjust with his help, get in faith, and see miracles. But the problem, and we're going to talk about some more of this in detail tonight, is one of the reasons people are not operating very well in faith 
is because they don't like correction. And they don't understand certain things that enhance their faith and certain things that deteriorate their faith. They think, well, I can just believe God anytime I want. It doesn't really matter what I do beyond, you know, in, in between times, but when it comes to, I can just believe God. If you're not already in the habit of believing God, it's going to be hard to believe God when something comes and hits you in the face. And so let's read the rest of it here. Go ahead and put the rest of it up on the screen. Then answered him and said to the man and to everybody, because he's talking to everybody around him, Jesus answered and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Now, one, one gospel writer puts it like this, O faithless and perverse generation. <laughs> you know, if a preacher today said, O faithless and perverse people, do you realize that preacher would get cussed out, spit on, mocked, threatened, people would leave? <laughs> Jesus said, O faithless generation, how long, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? In other words, how long am I going to put up with you guys? <laughs> Bring him to me! Now this is so interesting. He didn't say, you know what? Uh, you know, my disciples, my apostles, you know, the best best." preachers and teachers in the land besides me, you know, the ones that, that are my right-hand man, you know, well, if they couldn't get you healed, it must be God's will that your son's not healed because they're the best in the land besides me. No. Just because you got prayed for by the best in the land is no sign that God wants you sick, though the healing didn't happen through their prayer. The best in the land praying for you and that prayer not working is no sign God wants you to stay bound. It's no sign God, it just means something's not up. You can turn around, walk away, and say, oh, well, I guess it's God's will. Or you can go a little deeper, get a little closer to the Lord himself, and find out what's going on. Hmm? He said, bring him to me. Isn't that awesome? What if he would have just said, well, the disciples prayed for him, and they didn't get healed. I guess God's mysterious will is that my son stays sick. I guess he's trying to teach me something. I'll see you all later. No, he came right to Jesus. Go to the next verse. And they brought him to him, and when he saw him, immediately the Spirit tore him. The devil's trying to throw Jesus off. Jesus stays completely calm. Don't ever let the devil get you riled up. They bring the boy to Jesus, and he takes one of these demonic fits right in front of the Lord. Keep, it, keep the scripture up there, please. And then, go, there you go. They brought him unto Jesus, and when he saw him, immediately the spirit tore him, and the boy fell on the ground and wallowed foaming. Can you see the devil trying to get Jesus nervous and throw him off? Jesus didn't go, oh, wow, whoa, oh, come on. But he was calm. He was cool. He didn't just start binding and casting and spitting cotton. He was just calm and cool. Starts up a conversation with the father while the boy is having these epileptic fits. Next verse. Uh... How long has it ago since this came unto him? I'm sure the father's going, What are you talking about? When you get in conversation with me, my boy needs delivered. Do you see he's going to die? Jesus has said, How long has it since this come unto him? And there's a little lesson in that too. And that father said, Of a child. So he's had these seizures a long time. Next verse. And, and do y'all know this? All seizures doesn't mean there's a demon present. You do understand that. 
this one happened to be that way, but whether there was or not, you still have authority over all of it. And the, and the father said, oftentimes this spirit cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But Jesus, and here's what a lot of people are saying today. If you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Putting it all off on Jesus. Jesus, this is all up to you. This is all up to you. If you can do anything. I mean, that's a dumb question, Jesus, if you can do anything. <laughs> the creator of the universe. Uh, if you can do anything. <laughs> have compassion on us and help us. Next verse. Jesus said to him, puts it right back in the man's lap. See, we, we want to put it all in Jesus' lap. But Jesus says, ah, it ain't all up to me. If you, everybody say if you. Everybody say if you. If you can believe, if you can believe. Hey man, you better get your faith going here because without your faith, I can't do anything for you. God can't even get you saved without your faith. How could he get you healed without your faith? Can you get saved without faith? Does Jesus need your faith to save you? Then he needs your faith to heal you. It's not all up to him. He said, if you can believe, man, all things are possible. There's our, there's our phrase right there for this subject. Faith changes everything. All things are possible to him that believes. Don't you like that verse? Read the rest of it and we'll come back to this verse. And immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. So he got in faith. You know, faith without any expression is dead. Faith without action is dead. So he finally got into some actions of faith and said, said, I believe. That's a good confession. But then his honesty kicked in, which is also very important if you want the Lord to be able to help you. Lord, help my unbelief. So he's, he's, he's operating in the faith that he has, but he also says, Lord, help my unbelief. Do you realize that Jesus can help you more with little faith, asking him to help you with your unbelief, than pretending you're in strong faith. God can't work with pretend. He can work with truth. And I thought, because see, a lot of people say, we wouldn't say that. No, I'm not going to say, help me in my unbelief. I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe. Well, how long has it been? Well, 48 years. Still haven't seen anything? No, you might want to say, Lord, help my unbelief. <laughs> you might want to say, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Did the guy get help? That wasn't a bad confession. Look what it yielded. Next verse. And when Jesus saw that the people came running together, Jesus rebuked the foul spirit, saying unto him, not the man, the spirit, you dumb and deaf spirit, I charge you, come out of him and enter no more into him. Keep going. And the spirit cried and rent him sore and came out of him, and he was as one dead insomuch that many said he is dead. But Jesus took him up by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. He was healed, he was alive, he was free, free of the devil, free of the, the epileptic seizures, totally set free. And it didn't just happen because Jesus wanted it to. And it didn't just happen because Jesus could do it. When the man got in faith, the Lord was able to work. You realize how important faith is when you realize how many innocent people die every day that the Lord doesn't want dying. You mean the Lord let a baby die? He has many times. Not his will, didn't want it. But the church needs to get on the ball and teach faith so these things could be pushed back and, and slowed down and minimized. 
some, one day they'll be completely stopped. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. That's going to be gone forever. It's not happened yet. So, I want to say this, that the man, um, excuse me, um, this was a situation where it looked like nothing could fix this boy until faith in Jesus came on the scene. And the boy got healed. Yes, definitely, mondo numero uno, see Jesus healing the boy. But then right next to that, see the faith of the man allowing Jesus' opportunity to bring healing to the boy. If we can't get to heaven without faith, why would we think we couldn't, can get healed without faith? If we can't get what God wants us to have most without faith, why would we think we could get something less without faith? It takes faith. It takes faith to receive from the Lord. And what we're doing here in these messages is we're talking about faith changes everything. So we really need to understand a little bit more about what faith is, how it's developed, how it's released, and how it actually gets results in our lives. So turn to Matthew chapter 8. For the remaining time, I want to talk to you about something specific in this area of faith changes everything. And we'll start here in Matthew chapter 8. And we're going to start reading in verse 5. And we're going to read an account here of the Lord commending a Roman soldier for having greater faith than he had seen or found in all Israel. Interesting where you find great faith at times. You think you'd find it in the synagogues, you know, in the church, amongst the religious people right there in Jerusalem. He said, I looked all over Israel for it and couldn't find it, but now I found a Roman soldier who's got it. So you find great faith in some of the most unexpected places. You know, somebody who just grew up in the army around rough gruffness. You know, probably said a few cuss words in his life. I don't know. <laughs> but it's so interesting. So I want to bring something out here. In Romans chapter, excuse me, Matthew 8, verse 5. And we'll read a few verses here. Matthew 8, 5. It says, And when Jesus was entered into Capernaum, there came unto him a centurion. This is a, a Roman soldier above other soldiers and under other soldiers. And this centurion came unto him, beseeching Jesus and saying, Lord, my servant lies home, sick of the palsy, paralyzed, grievously tormented. And Jesus said unto him, I will come and heal him. I mean, that's nice of the Lord. <laughs> Praise God. We have a nice Lord, don't we? The centurion answered and said, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only and my servant shall be healed. I don't need to be in your physical presence because this was actually a delegate if you read Luke's account. You don't need to be in my servant's physical presence. We're talking about great faith here. Need nothing physical, just His Word. Great faith is when you need nothing physical, just His Word. Now, thank God there's other ways to receive, other levels. God will meet us where we're at. But if you're going for great faith, get some, get some uh, revelation here. Great faith is when you need and want the Word only of the Lord to latch on to. 
He said, Lord, I, I'm not worthy. You should come under my roof. Speak the word and my servant shall be healed. For now, now, notice, this is what Jesus marveled at. The man's explaining why that's all he needs. I don't need you to come to my house. I just need your word. And Jesus, let me tell you, Jesus, why that's all I need. Something's been ingrained in me since I was a young man. Something is in my blood. I've operated in certain principles many, many years of my life that have brought me to this place that I know if you say it, it'll be done. Because I'm a man under authority. I take orders. I know the seriousness of doing what I'm told to do in the Roman army. They torture you, you know, they, they kill you. They, they, they make life very miserable for you if you don't do what your superiors tell you to do. Jesus, I understand this. I'm told to do something. I do it. There, there's not even a, a way out. There's no question. There's no option. It's like, do it or what? There is no what. I do it. I do it. Do it or die. But I'm a man under authority. And what did he say? I'm a man under authority, having, so, having soldiers under me. Excuse me. For I'm a man under authority, and I also have soldiers under me. I say to this man, go, and he goes. To another, come, and he comes. And to my servant, do this, and he does it. This man lived this way. He didn't get this teaching out of a book. He didn't understand submission and authority out of a schoolroom class, a class, a subject. He got it by living in it day after day, week after week, month after month, and year after year. He was conformed to a submission and authority lifestyle. And that's big reason why it was not hard for him to have great faith. His lifestyle, let me say it this way, great faith has more to do with who you are than just what you do. Great faith has more to do with the kind of person you are than just how you live. Great faith has a lot to do with certain character traits that have been built in us all of our life. I was seeking the Lord about this one time and asking the Lord about the great faith. Lord, I want to know how the centurion had great faith. I want to know how the centurion had great faith. And the Lord said, don't study what he had. Study the kind of person he was that automatically had what he had. See, some people just have it because their life produces it. Other people want it and they try to have it without having the life that produces it. Without having the character that produces it. You know, if you want certain fruit, you don't work on fruit. You work on the root that produces certain fruit. And I want to talk about some of that root, uh, strong faith, roots of strong faith tonight. So let me, um, let's finish reading here so you can see what happened and what the Lord said. Go ahead and move to the next verse. When Jesus heard it, you know, the man said, Lord, I understand submission and authority. I'm a Roman soldier. I got people under me, over me. I understand. Do this, do that. If we don't, we're dead. I understand. I grew up in it. When Jesus heard it, he marveled. Oh, my goodness. A human being marveled the King of kings and Lord of lords. A human being marveled the creator of the universe. What could marvel the creator of the universe? Two things. Great faith and unbelief. Unbelief was a negative marvel. This was a positive marvel. Jesus marveled and said to them that followed, this excited the Lord. 
He's like, he said, you know, I got to tell you guys. So he stopped right in the middle. He, he didn't even talk to the centurion for a moment here. He turned to the crowd and said, you got, I got to tell you something. I have not found. What's the Lord looking for? Perfection? Faith. I have not found so great faith. Not, not, not in the whole country where you're supposed to find it. I had to find somebody outside the country. You know, not born in Israel. I had to find somebody from Rome. I had to find a Roman soldier. Shows you right there that going to church all your life doesn't mean you're going to have great faith. Right? So go back to the scripture. He says, I have not found such great faith. No, not in Israel. Keep going. And I say to you that many shall come from the east and west, and they're going to sit down with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And Jesus said unto the centurion, Go your way, and as you have believed, so be it done unto thee, you. And his servant was healed in the selfsame hour. Anybody want to go wow with me? All right, so let's talk about this just for a minute. Um, it's interesting to me that the centurion didn't even use the word faith or believe, and Jesus said he had greater faith than he'd found in all Israel. In other words, the centurion wasn't going, I'm believing God, I'm believing God. And that's not a bad confession, as long as you really mean it. I'm believing God, I have faith, I'm believing God. That doesn't mean you have great faith, doesn't even mean you do have faith. I mean, we can say anything we want to say. I'm an astronaut, I'm an astronaut, doesn't make me an astronaut. Right? So, so we, know, we know that the great faith we didn't even hear the word, I'm believing God, Jesus. I have faith that you can heal my servant. Didn't even use those terms. And Jesus said he had greater faith than anybody in all Israel. Interesting. What was he talking about when he said, I've not found such great faith? Well, it had to have been something in the words that the centurion spoke from the moment he started talking to Jesus and Jesus saying, I have not found such great faith. What did he say? What was the centurion revealing about himself that made it very clear to the Lord he had great faith? He had a few things in his life that Jesus knew were contributing to such great faith. One of them was he totally understood submission and authority. He was a man of his word, and he was faithful to those above him. So I just kind of like to focus on this part tonight. Submission, authority, and great faith. What's the connection? So let me say this here. The man was really good at receiving orders. Anybody interested in great faith still? <laughs> Maybe we also need to be interested in receiving orders really well from our authorities. And he wasn't talking about receiving orders from God. He's talking about receiving orders probably from an ungodly higher up in the Roman army. But it's still a godly principle. The people may not have been godly, but the things this man was operating in were godly principles. 
You know some things that are really unpopular today? I mean, if, if, you, if you really want to decrease crowds, start talking about obey those that have the rule over you and submit yourselves to such. I bet, I bet if I was a betting man, I bet a thousand dollars nobody has that scripture on their refrigerator. Oh yeah, obey those, uh, to me, obey those that have the rule over you and submit yourselves to such. This is a problem in the earth today. Lack of these things has caused weak and little faith because you can't have great faith in God if you're not faithful first. I mean, doesn't it make sense? If you're faithful, you're full of faith. If you're faithful in other areas, then it's going to carry over to God. But if we're not faithful in other areas, unfaithfulness is going to carry over to God. Do you know why people have a hard time trusting God and believing God for things? Do you know why? It's such a strain. Because they don't understand integrity. Uh, let me put it this way. We don't have to teach a lot on faith to people who live in integrity because people who understand integrity understand God can't break His word. They don't understand it because they heard a teaching. They don't understand it because they're quoting another preacher. They understand it because they've been living that way decade after decade. It's a part of them. A lot of people are, are, are having a hard time believing that God can keep His word because they're having a hard time believing they can keep their word. Sure is quiet in this Presbyterian church. Um, hey, I, I think we all got some Presbyterian in us, right? We got some Baptist in us, got some Catholic in us. So let me say that again. We don't have to teach a lot on faith to people who live in integrity. Question, how many faith books do you think this centurion read before he had great faith? How many Bible chapters do you think he memorized before he had great faith? How many Kenneth Hagin books do you think he read before he had great faith? How many sermons on Mark 11, 24 do you think you heard? How did, how, did he, how did he have great faith? Great faith has a lot to do with hearing the word of God, but it also has a lot to do with how you've been living your life. If you really want a revelation and understanding of faith, you're going to have to be operating in some faithfulness already to get the revelation. See, this guy had no doubt. He had no doubt because he has no doubt in his personal life. Year after year, he has no doubt. They tell me to do something, it's done. It's done. I tell my servant to do something, check it off the list. It's done. I don't have to see it. It's done. They know if it's not done, I'm getting somebody else and they're going to die or something, right? It's done. The word comes, it's done. Unless you want to die or get stretched or, you know, crucified or something. I mean, the word comes and you're supposed to do it, it's done. You're just kind of in that zone, you know, since it's trained, you know, just moving like, you know, clockwork, just part of your life till you die. It's just who you are. When it's who you are, it's not hard to have. It's hard to have faith if you're not a person of faith in all areas of your life. And what is faith? Faith has a lot to do with faithfulness. Right? So, a part of living, excuse me, a part of having faith is understanding faithfulness, or in other, in other words, understanding that God can't lie. Of course it will happen. 
Now, the centurion had great faith because he was faithful to his leaders. You know, you really can't separate personal faithfulness from great faith in God and his faithfulness coming through for you. See, you understand it. It's not just a teaching. It's a party. It's in your blood. It's who you are. So, duh, of course. I've been doing all this. I understand. Of course God's going to do it for me. I understand. I've been living in it. And this is one of the reasons the devil wants the church insubordinate, lacking in submission. Actually, I don't know if you knew this, but the reason the devil obeyed Jesus perfectly is because Jesus perfectly obeyed the Father. Hmm. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about being perfect. Perfectly obeying the Father is repenting if you sin. Right? I mean, we can always bounce right back into where we're supposed to be. We're not talking about perfection, never making a mistake. But God's got things for us to do even if we do make a mistake. And we can still be faithful by doing those things. To recover, to be forgiven, to repent. But I think we're kidding ourselves thinking, you know what? If anything ever comes against me, something comes against my body, I'm just going to speak to that thing and command it to go in Jesus' name. But at the same time, you're not keeping your word to other people. You're not keeping your word to yourself. How can you expect a mountain or a tumor to obey you when you command it to go, when you don't even obey you, when you say you're going to do something and you don't do it? I mean, once in a while, do you think once in a while we need a teaching like this? I mean, I, once in a while, we don't teach like this all the time, but once in a while we need to talk about this, the character part of faith. How could this man have great faith and not even have a Bible? Man, you answer that question, you're there. Because we got the Bible, and then we have great faith. Whoa, man, we're talking about changing the planets now. <laughs> Come on. Think about it. Here, now, the last part of this message tonight is um, you can start fresh. <laughs> Should I jump there? Okay. Let, let's just go a little further here. Um, how did this guy develop great faith with no Bible or books on faith? Well, I already said earlier, strong faith is about who you are, not just what you do. It's difficult to have faith that God will keep his word. When we're constantly, uh, when, when we, are, we are not doing well at keeping our word. This is something I wanted to move into here in just the last couple minutes here. Do you mind if I read a couple things here? We'll just comment on them. I want you to be thinking about this. I want you to be thinking about how much easier it is to believe God will keep His word to us when we're living the lifestyle of keeping our word to ourselves and others. You know, I really think a lot of times the problem in some areas, especially like in some of these areas of getting out of certain addictions, I see a lot of people working on losing weight, and I see a lot of people working on kicking alcohol. I see a lot of people working on controlling their temper or not being lustful. And uh, is that really what people should be working on? Because it seems like a never-ending battle. I mean, it seems like people have kind of given up on victory. They're just kind of accepting the fact that once this, always this, and now I just got to cope for the rest of my life and hope that I don't slip up and, you know, clench my fist and... 
hope I don't fall back into it. No, there's, there's newness of life. There's victory, there's overcoming power. We can go from coping to overcoming. And I think, um, I think one of, a problem here, and I understand how I say this, and I'll read it to you here in better words maybe, but um, is it really anger somebody needs to overcome and keep working on? Or is it they're not keeping their word? Case in point, person has a big problem with losing their temper, causing problems in the home, things getting broken, crazy words. And the, and the person, let's say the man says, you know what, honey, I am so sorry. I am not going to do that anymore. I'm not going to do that anymore. I, I'm going to control myself. I'm not demon possessed. I can control myself. I'm going to stop it. I go, okay, I forgive you. Let's go on. Four days later, big old blow up. Loses his temper. Throws stuff. And says, honey, I'm sorry I have this temper problem. Stop, stop. What you have is a lying problem. Fix that. Won't lose your temper no more. If you're a person of your word, you got the victory. Not if the temper subsides. If you're keeping your word comes up. Well, I'll just try not to get mad anymore. How about develop into more of a person of your word? Because if you're a person of your word and you say, honey, I'm a person of my word. I swear to my own hurt and change not. That's the last time I'll ever yell at you like that. If you're a person of your word, her days of living with a monster are over. But if you lied, they ain't. Is it a lying issue? Or is it a anger issue? Most people think it's an anger issue. We can develop so much integrity and so much faith in our own words that we can start acting like little gods in the earth and getting results like our Father wants us to get. Did I say little gods? Yeah, small g. Jesus himself said, Know you not that ye are gods? What's wrong with that? He's the King of kings and Lord of lords, right? He's the God of gods, King of kings, Lord of lords, Children, always children. I mean, if you, don't have any, if you don't have any God in you, you're not saved. If your last name's not God, you're not saved, right? Doesn't mean you are God, but it means you're in the family of God. You got his name. But anyway, what I'm saying is this. There is a weapon and an ability God has given each one of us to develop. One of the greatest developments in your Christian life and in my Christian life is developing faith in our own words. Jesus said, believe that those things which you say shall come to pass and you will have whatever you say. Whoo! So let me read some things here. You guys having fun? This all right? Not one, not one amen. Now, I want to know why it's so quiet just because we're not public first or open yet. Is it because that 
um, just more people, maybe it's more support to us when we say amen. <laughs> it's okay. I, I don't care. You're doing great. I'm just curious. So let me read you a couple things here. It's easier for people of integrity to have faith in God because they know the principle of keeping their word. And then it switches to God. Well, of course he's going to keep his word. I understand what integrity is. I've been living in it. Maybe not perfect, but I've been living in it. It's easy for people of integrity to have faith in God, talking about centurion, because they know by living the principle of keeping their word. People who understand integrity understand God can't break his word. And therein is great faith. All I got to do is get Jesus to say it. I don't have him to have him come. I don't have him to lay his hands on my servant. I don't need him physically to walk through my door. I understand integrity. If he says it, the sickness is over. I recognize, Jesus, you got power over disease like I got power over soldiers. But I also recognize you're under authority because you couldn't do these things if you didn't, weren't under authority. You couldn't have authority. Well, I'm under authority, and I have authority. I say to this one, go, and he goes to this one, do this, and he does it. Well, I, Jesus, I see you're the same way when it comes to sickness and disease. All I have to get you to do is what I do. I say it, they do it, you say it, you do it. It does it. Sickness leaves. Whatever force has to come on the scene and knock it out of my servant, I don't care what force it is, I just know this. You got servants, I got servants. You're under someone, I'm under someone. I understand how this thing works. He'd been living it. Receiving orders, keeping them to a T, giving orders, them keeping it to a T. He makes a switch now to Jesus and sickness and disease in his servant's life. Same principles. He wasn't trying to believe. He just understood submission and authority. He understood receiving orders, keeping orders, keeping my word, others doing what I tell them to do. He just understood those principles, and Jesus called it great faith. Okay, Lord, how many get this out in the last couple of minutes here? Proverbs 28, 20. The Bible says, The faithful man shall abound with blessings. So I got to thinking. The faithful man shall abound with blessings. That's Proverbs 28, 20. You can put it up on the screen if, if you like. The faithful man shall abound with blessings. So I'm uh, thinking here, what should we be praying for if we want to see more manifested blessings in our life? Blessings are help to be more faithful. But what should we really be praying for? More blessings? Or Lord, help me to understand faithfulness and to be more faithful? Because that man automatically abounds with blessings. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Page two. I've only got seven pages ago. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm going to say this again. You don't have to teach a whole lot of faith to people who live in integrity. A soldier had great faith. People who understand integrity understand God cannot break his word. Being a person of your word helps you to understand why God keeps his word. It helps you to understand the intricate details of why God has to keep his word because you've been living in that realm yourself as best you know how. Whew. Do we need to quote more scriptures or work on being more of a person of integrity? Good question. I wonder how many scriptures this centurion quoted before he had great faith. 
you know me, we're not going to stop quoting scriptures and we need to turn it up, if anything. But it's interesting to me that this man didn't do any of the things a lot of us are doing, didn't have 99% ha uh, of what we have as far as materials and books and tapes and CDs and etc., church services, but he had great faith. I think this is teaching us something that there is something deep about faith that is connected to character. I mean, if you really grew up in integrity and you grew up like the centurion, there was no doubt in your mind that you're told to do something, you do it. I tell somebody to do something, they do it. Jesus is doing what he's told, and anything he tells sickness and disease, it obeys him. It's like, it wasn't even a try. It wasn't even a, I'm going to check this out. It was like his life. He just knew it works. This is the principle of the universe. Probably thought everybody knew it, but not everybody did know it. Because Jesus tried to look for it all over Israel and couldn't find it. Interesting. So, let me read on here. Did you notice that the man said, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but speak the word only? Remember that? You think, well, that's a bad confession. No, it's not. It's a confession of humility. And this is what I wrote down about that. It's not about feeling worthy or feeling unworthy. It's about understanding how to take orders and how to give orders. I mean, it doesn't matter how you feel in the army. Worthy or not, you receive orders, you give orders. You do what you're told, others do what you tell them to do. It has nothing to do with feeling worthy or unworthy. Well, I just feel so unworthy. It, this, is, this is beyond that. This is just a principle of God. Right? Whew! So, um, do we need to work on breaking a habit or being more of a person of our word? Which would break the habit. Do, do we need to work more on breaking a habit or being more of a person of word when we say, I'm done with that thing? Now, if you're, if you're more of a person of your word, it's over. It's kind of like God saying, listen, why don't you develop your God-given potential and start using your words and getting results like I use my words and get results? Believe your words are powerful. Really, if you think about it, I better wrap it up here. If you think about it, if you're really a person of your word, and you say, I'm not stupid. I know how to get results. I believe it's God's will that I go this way. In one year from now, I will have reached this physical goal. The only way you wouldn't reach that goal is if you're not a person of your word. So, really important to not release any words out of your mouth until you know it's God's will and it's something you're committed to see, see to it that is done in your power. Because a lot of people are breaking their word because they gave their word prematurely. Didn't count the cost. Right? Didn't sit down and think about it. Um, I, I, you know, I, I say this to myself more than anybody, but I, phrases like this help me to come up and realize, you know, how important this is. You know, back in the olden days, I mean, not even, not even 2,000 years ago, even 100, 200 years ago, people were people of their word. I mean, the character was like sky high. You know, Rachel, you know, she likes to watch a lot of these Sense and Sensibility movies, you know, back in the 1890s and turn of the century. And I kind of like some of them, too. I like them because of the honor and some of the respect that you see. I mean, I'm big of their word. That's their word, man. They die. 
It's a, they knew what covenant was. And then, you know, we think of all these great meetings with Amy Simple McPherson, Maria Woodworth Edder back at the turn of the century, you know, the last century, that is. And, and the great faith and the miracles. I wonder if there's any connection between the rebellion that has come into our country in the 60s and it only increased since then and the rebellion they didn't have in the turn of the century. Where's all the miracles? Where's all the people developing faith in their word and integrity and okay with orders? And I mean, where's all that? See, the devil knows. The devil knows if we're not submitting to the people and the, and the you know, God in areas and through people that we're called to, he knows that's going to affect our resisting him successfully. Why would he have to submit to us if we're yielding to him at the same time? So I was thinking, you know, phrases like this, and I know this is a little, little you know, this is, we warned you a few weeks, a few months ago, midweek meet, right? Something for the deeper Christians. So, I don't know, I just like to look at things like this. If I, if I am late on a bill, I'm not just late on a bill. I'm late on a promise. To somebody I said, I will go by this contract. You know, when you're, when you're, when you're consistently late to like work or places, um, the only excuse is I lied. I told you I'd be there at such and such a time and I keep showing up five, 10 minutes later. Um, I'm sorry, but I've been a liar to you because I told you I would be in at a certain time and I haven't been and I have no excuse. You know, a lot of people ruin a really good apology by saying, you know, I, I'm sorry I was late, but, and then to try to explain traffic and this and that, you just ruined a really good apology, so just might as well just <laughs> wait till next time to try something different. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. For more information about this ministry, visit faithheights.org. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. To sow into this ministry, visit faithheights.org and click on the Donate tab.